Thank you. All right. Good evening. Thank you, Brother Holtz, for inviting me down to speak on this fellowship, uh, first one uh, uh, that we've been to in a while. But, uh, folks, uh, I'm always grateful to, to be able to stand in the pulpit uh, anywhere. We, uh, we're just thankful for the fellowship uh, that we have with brothers and sisters alike. <coughs> I'd ask you, if you would, to go ahead and uh, have a seat. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Brother Holt and I were talking this afternoon, and he said uh, something about he was studying or looking in Ephesians chapter 3, and I said, and he said, where's your message from? I said, Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I thought for sure he'd been down here preaching my message. So I hope uh, I hope I hit on the things that he missed. <laughs> Amen. At least uh, we'll get something new out of it. Uh, but Ephesians chapter three, we're going to we're going to begin in verse fourteen when we get there to read. But I think it would be a tragedy, folks, uh, a true tragedy, really, if we as Christians, uh, uh, believers, if we possess the knowledge and the and the gifts of the Lord. And we just sat on them. We didn't do anything. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't say anything. Uh, that would be that would be probably the most horrible thing that a Christian could do, is just uh, take a seat and and never do nothing for the Lord. And, and I mean that with all my heart. I tell our people all the time that uh, you know we weren't made to be pew warmers. He told us in, in Acts. To, he used an action word. He told us to go, and uh, that's what we ought to do. Uh, but yet, listen, uh, we never see uh, the full or the fullness of Christianity doing what I just said, out sharing the knowledge or, or out talking uh, uh, or witnessing uh, or preaching or teaching in Sunday school or driving a bus, or whatever it takes uh, to, to be a witness uh, and to be a lighthouse to someone who's lost. But we ought to use that knowledge and, and that giftedness that, that God's given us for the advancement of, of His kingdom, folks. That's what it's all about. You know, many of the churches today are stagnant, and many of them are, are, are even dead spiritually uh, because of the fact that that they don't they they don't focus on the right things. They're focused on all the wrong things. Truly, they are. There, there many of them are focused on the things that that aren't going to matter in eternity. That aren't going to make a difference. Let's look at our text, Ephesians chapter three, beginning in verse number fourteen. We'll read through. Uh, to verse 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is praying, and listen to what he says. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, 
in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that we're able to to stand tonight and to call ourselves Christians. But God, we ought to pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just call ourselves Christians, but that we would show that we're Christians. Lord, by the things we do, by the things we say, Father, by the things that we don't say, and Lord, the things we don't do. So God, we're just asking tonight, Lord, that we might hear from you. Father, to your Holy Spirit, go up and down these aisles and prick the hearts of the people. Lord, to, to, to encourage them, Father, to, to engage in ministry. Lord, that we might see souls saved. Christians strengthened and the Lord Jesus Christ uplifted. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So again, I want to say, folks, some of you are, are probably uh, 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 like me. I mean, when it, when it comes to technical things, uh, if you uh, were to look there beside Brother John, you'll see I got one of them great big fancy cell phones, them, them iPhones. And, uh, you know, uh, in our church and in our home, uh, I got somebody else that sets that up and somebody else that puts that information in. And uh, at church, I've got a young man who is our techno guy, I call him, and, and he sets all that stuff up. And when I've got a problem, uh, I take that to him and, or, or my daughter Kelsey and I say, hey, can you fix this? And they look at me and sort of giggle and they say, sure, Dad, or sure, Pastor, I can do that, no problem. Folks, many times that's the way we are with the Word of God and with the things of God. We, we, we don't know how to use them properly. We don't know how to, to give a proper invitation. We don't know how to, to uh, uh, preach a proper message. We don't know how to properly encourage the people. So tonight that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to engage in ministry. Whatever God lays on your heart, folks, that's what you ought to do. Until God moves you to do something else, until, until He speaks to your heart about something else in ministry that you should be doing. But like I said, I'm not a techno guy. I'm certainly no expert in the field of uh, cell phones and computers. I don't know anything about uh, writing code or software. I remember one time when uh, computers first began to show up on the market for the individual, and uh, I took my family down to uh, Steinberg's on Coleraine. Remember Steinberg's? And they had this little they had this little computer, and you could type these. They had a little book that had about seven or eight things that you could type in as program, and a little train would go across the, the screen, and a little puff of smoke come out and make the noise. And we thought that was cool. Now you got computers that, that run those big trains out there on the tracks. I mean, they run the train. They tell them when to go and when to stop. 
So I don't know nothing about writing code or software and developing apps on my phone and things like that. But you know, uh, I just got a new iPhone for my wife. I want to tell you, folks, it was it was a great deal, a really good deal. I didn't think you could trade a phone for a wife and get something that good, but I did. Amen. I did. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, can I say tonight? Listen, that whoever said, folks, that the that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Whoever said that? Obviously, folks, they never had to reboot their computer. I mean, seriously. Man, I've had brand new computers just lock up on me and I just grab it and run off to the church somewhere or call Kelsey and say, you have to come down here. Get a new VCR. You have to come down here, honey, and do this for us. We're old people. We don't know how to mess with that stuff. But you know what? It's a lack of in-depth knowledge. That's what it is, folks. It's a, it's a lack of in-depth knowledge that, that, that it doesn't prevent me from using my phone. I can use it. I can make telephone calls. I, I can uh, talk to Brother Holt. Uh, I can text Brother Holt. Uh, I can send pictures to Brother Holt. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, when it comes to getting the computers and things, I'm as lost as a Canadian goose in a snowstorm. I mean, I can't do all those things. But God gave me much, uh, enough knowledge that I can accomplish several very important tasks on my laptop or on my phone. I think it'd be ridiculous, folks, to, to have that great knowledge or that great knowledge in technology and then not be able to use it or to share it. Well, it's the same thing with this book here. To have that knowledge, to have that ability uh, to take the Word of God and expound upon it and share it, what a tragedy uh, that we don't do that. We don't do that. Listen, we have that capability to do some things for the Lord. I don't know anybody that the Lord's called that He didn't that He didn't give them the ability to do what He called them to do. He doesn't do that. Somebody said He doesn't call the qualified. They said He qualifies the called. Hmm. I think the same could be said today for Christians. Uh, we, we've, we've been saved by grace. We've been, we've been filled uh, uh, and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Listen, we've been discipled in the faith. We've been taught the Word of God. And in the process and understanding of, of the core doctrines of the Bible, listen, folks, it would be a tragedy. It would be a tragedy, listen, if we didn't share that knowledge, if, if we weren't able to go out and, and give people the gospel, or if we just chose not to. We chose rather to just sit in a pew, or sit at home, 
or whatever other than giving the gospel. See, Paul's prayer, uh, as he prayed for the Ephesian believers, his prayer was focused on the church and the church being enabled to use the knowledge and the gifts that, that they possessed, that they got from God to share the gospel and, and to reach out to those that are lost. Listen, and this prayer, I think it remains relevant today to the Christian today as well as it did to the church back then. You see, the one thing I've learned as a Christian, listen, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Bible says He's immutable. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. You know who changes? We do. We do. We sure do. So that prayer that Paul's praying here, it remains relevant, folks, for the church today. So as we examine the, the elements of this prayer, I want you to consider encouraging or encouragement, listen, to engage in ministry. To engage in ministry. The first thing I want you to see is in verse 16, because Paul prayed for strength. You remember verse 16 that we read? He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might and by his spirit in the inner man. So the first thing there, listen, is Paul was committed, folks. He was totally committed to the spiritual development of the believers in the church. Amen? He was, he, was to, he was totally committed to the believers at Ephesus. He knew if the church was to continue, if the church was going to prosper, listen, he, she needed to continually grow. Continually. Paul was well aware, folks, that it was needed. But he also knew, Paul was well aware that he needed the strength he needed the strength. So what was the source of the strength that Paul needed? The Bible tells us there in, in chapter uh, 3 and verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, he said, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So Paul prayed uh, uh, that the church, folks, uh, the church then, he prayed that the church would be strengthened by the power of God. That's where we're lacking today. We don't pray that the church would be strengthened as a whole. We pray for one another. We, we pray a, a, a general prayer. Most of our prayers are general prayers. They're not specific prayers. You say, well, Brother Jackson, God already knows all that. Yes, and He wants you to know it. He wants us to know it. So Paul prayed that the church would be strengthened by the power of God. Listen, he didn't look, folks, to the, the politicians. He, he didn't look to the government. He didn't look for social or, or economic systems for that strength. He looked to God Almighty. He prayed to God. He prayed that the church would be strengthened by the power of God. 
My goodness. He, he didn't look to those other things, folks. He looked to the power of God. He looked to Almighty God for the answer. For the power. He called upon the Lord and, and, uh, to provide uh, through the riches of His glory, the Bible says. You know, many churches are, are stagnant, and, and I said spiritually dead, folks, because they're not depending upon the right things. They're depending upon the wrong things to get it done. To get it done. Their focus is not where it should be. Many of them place more emphasis on self-gratification. I've told my church many a time, I don't understand today what's going on in the churches. By the way, you need to pray for some of the churches today. We need to pray for Twinbrook Hills that they'll get a pastor, that they'll call a man. We need to pray for, for the uh, Central Baptist Church on Went Road that, that they'll get a pastor, that they'll get the man that God wants them to have. We need to pray for the New Testament Baptist Church in Sunman, Indiana, that it'll get the pastor that God wants them to have. We don't see that anymore. We see young preachers coming right out of school, and the first thing they do is they want to go to the big church, they want to go to the church with the money, they want to go to the church with all the people, and they just walk in and sit down and take over, and they don't do nothing. They don't do anything. Folks, I'm not bad-mouthing the preachers. I'm telling you the truth. God called us for a purpose. And I'll tell you something else I tell our church all the time. When God called you, He called you to minister. When you came to the church, He called you to minister. When I came to, to, to Northbrook, He called me there to minister. And that's what we're supposed to do. Whatever it is, that whatever position it is that God puts you in, that's where you're to work. That's where you're to provide. That's where you're to pray and, and, and do that ministry to the best of your ability. So here we see that the focus is not where it should be. Paul wanted the church at Ephesus to, to experience a, an, an outpouring of God's glory. He wanted to see that happen. Uh, folks, we ought to want to see that happen. We truly ought to, to, to seek God and pray that that's what we would see in the church today. So not only did, did Paul pray uh, for strength and for the source of their strength, but listen, he also uh, prayed about the supply of their strength there in the latter part of verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. So Paul, uh, uh, he sensed a great, uh, a great need, folks, among the church. He was concerned about the struggles of the inner man. Life in Ephesus was not easy for the church. It wasn't easy for the church, folks. You go back and study it, you look at it, listen, they were not, uh, they were not uh, surrounded by multitudes of believers. They were outnumbered. Just like you are here at Winton Place, just like we are in Northbrook. We're outnumbered. 
So they, they were surrounded with these multitudes who, who sought to uh, uh, serve the Lord but didn't do anything. If they were to survive, listen, spiritually, they had to become strong in the inner man. They had to do a work for the Lord. They needed the Holy Spirit controlling their lives instead of the desires of the flesh. Amen? So we too, listen, we face a, a hostile environment spiritually uh, in the world today. The world uh, doesn't embrace or encourage our faith. The world doesn't want to hear what we have to say. They're not concerned with our spiritual well-being or our relationship with the Lord. So if, if, we're, to, if we're to survive and, and prosper spiritually, our only hope is to be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. Our only hope. Pray that God would develop us through the outpouring of His Spirit. Power of God. That the church would grow. Not just in numbers. But in power and might. Strength in the Lord. You see, His power, folks, and and His might is what we need to be strengthened by that blessed Holy Spirit. Secondly, I want you to see this. In verse 17, Paul prayed for stability. He prayed for stability. Look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. In love. So, in order for the church to to prosper in a, in a hostile environment, uh, the Bible tells us that, that she's going to need spiritual stability. That's the other thing we see today. No, no spiritual stick to with Christians. First time things get hot and things get uh, uh, a little out of whack, they duck and run. Duck and run. You see, folks, Paul prayed specifically for, for this stability as well. Because you see there in, in, that, in that verse 17, the first part, he mentioned their desire that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So, so Paul was concerned with what they allowed to abide within their hearts. Folks, what abides in our hearts today as Christians? What do we allow to, 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 to be taken up space in our hearts for the Lord? Listen, to allow the, the Lord in, in, in everything, folks, He should have the preeminence in everything that we do. The Lord should always be first. Always, in all matters, in everything. You say, Brother Jackson, we can't do that because of the world, because of the way things are. I charge you and I challenge you tonight to put the Lord first and see what the Lord can do. 
when Paul prayed for stability, he saw their, their desire, their, their deepest need, folks. Not just a, uh, listen, the, that term uh, dwell there speaks of a permanent dwelling, not just a visit by the Holy Spirit, but a dwelling in the inner man that we might have power. So again, he prayed that they would rid their hearts of the cares of the flesh, of the things of the world, and give and, and give Christ the preeminence. Make him first. Make him listen. The Bible says when you got saved, listen. Not only did he become your savior, but listen, he became your Lord. The Bible says he's the master. If you're the master, listen, you're the Lord. So as believers, listen, again, as believers, we're filled with the Spirit and Christ abides in our hearts. Now can I say, however, if, if we aren't careful, folks, we can allow sin and we can allow lustful desires to come in there also. You and I can do that. We can allow sin to enter in and, and to take root. And all of a sudden we become bitter people, we become angry people, and we begin to blame the Lord. I tell our church all the time, you know what the last thing is that Christians do when they get mad at God? First thing they do is they leave church. Next thing they do is they quit reading their Bible. But you know what the last thing is? The most important thing. They quit communicating with God. There's no prayer life. We need to ensure, folks, that our hearts are continually filled, amen, with the Spirit of truth and a, and a desire, listen, to fellowship like we're having tonight and to fellowship with the Lord as we do. As we do. You know, that, that kind of endeavor, folks, will, will only be achieved through obedient submission to the Lord and faith and trust in Him and Him alone. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Brother Frank Smith, he had a life verse. I love that old fellow. I miss him. I was fortunate and I was blessed to have him in my church the last few years of his life. But his life verse was Galatians 2.20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he said, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Does Christ dwell in you tonight? Is your heart filled with the things of God? Is your lifetime taken up with things of God? He said, in the life which I now live in the flesh, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a love. We, we, we never knew love like that until we knew Him. Never. 
So listen, there's a, their desire. Now Paul sees their devotion in verse 17. If you look at the, the latter part of that verse, he says, being rooted and grounded, <laughs> being rooted and grounded in love. Imagine that. Being rooted, grounded. You know, in, in, the, in, the, in the, the Holy Land, uh, there was those trees there are called palm trees. The others fig trees and some other things, but the palm trees are the ones I want to talk about because they're out in the sand, they're in the middle of nowhere, and listen, yet when the storms come and the wind howls, they stand straight up and they don't, they don't, they don't, they bend, but they don't fall. You know why? You know why? Because their roots go down a hundred feet. They're rooted and grounded. And that's what the Christian needs to be today. He needs to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God, in the things of God, in the church of God. Amen? In the church of God. So the devotion here, Paul reveals a desire that they be rooted and grounded in love and, and they were to be uh, literally folks build their lives and, and the church upon that foundation of love, the love of Christ. Our homes, our lives, listen, our children, our church should all be built upon the love of God. I think that was the, the essential element, folks, uh, that needs to exist in the church. And, and if it's going to prosper, if the church of God is going to continue. So without a commitment to love within the foundation, the church would eventually crumble and fall when trials and tribulation comes. You can, you can see it. You can, look, you can look around, you can see it in today's church. The minute trouble comes, the minute something happens and people don't like it, they just up and leave. They just go off somewhere else. You know, in my heart of hearts today, I truly believe that, you know, we wouldn't have 15,000 denominations. I don't know how many is out there, but we wouldn't have 15,000 denominations out there if people would get rooted and grounded in the Word of God instead of just getting mad and going out there and saying, well, I'll just start my own church. There's no accountability. There's no accountability. And many pastors say, well, just leave them alone, Brother Jackson. Let them go over there and let them do what they want and they won't bother us. Just leave them alone. No, you go over there and you tell them they're wrong. And you tell them they can't do that. And the people that go there, you tell them they can't do that. The pastors just back off and say, well, just leave them alone. They're not bothering us. They're not hurting us. You've got to make it a matter of deep prayer and concern when people just start going anywhere and everywhere. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it time and time and time again. Would you not agree with me that, that, that our churches today need more love? 
If there's one thing we need, folks, it's an abundance of love. He said, well, Pastor, you're just talking about telling people they're wrong. Folks, out of love. I'm excited and I'm loud and I'm boasters, but listen, I'm telling you the truth. Out of love, you tell them that what they're being taught or what they're hearing is wrong. You take the Bible and you show them where they're wrong. We do pretty well, folks, with, with those whom we, we associate, those whom we, we uh, uh, fellowship with. We do pretty well because we believe and, and, and we practice the same things. We believe the same things. And, and we do pretty well. I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, we, we do. We do pretty well. Our close friends and family, uh, you know, the churches we fellowship with. But God has called upon us to love, to love all people as he loves them. You know, uh, we see all the things that are going on in the world today, and, and uh, sometimes we'll take a stand, sometimes we won't. Sometimes we say, oh, well. And many times, folks, as I look around, uh, and I'm not shy about calling calling things the way they are, but many times we look around and we see things like that going on, and and rather than call it sin, because one of our family members is in it, because somebody we know or our friend is in it, instead of calling it sin, instead of telling telling them it's sin, we just sort of back off and we don't say anything. We're not against people saying things to them, but we don't say anything. Without a commitment, listen, to love within the foundation, listen, the church will surely fall and crumble. In Matthew chapter 22, in verse 37, 38, and 39, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And he said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, if you don't tell them the truth, you don't really love them. You don't love them the way they should be loved because God tells them the truth. The Word of God tells the truth. I pray tonight, listen, that we'll all be rooted and grounded in love. Listen, loving others as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. Amen, Brother Holt? Where would we be? Where would any of us be had someone not loved us? My oldest brother loved me. He said, Dave, he had the faith of a mustard. He said, Dave, if you'll come to church one time, just one time, he said, I'll never bother you again. And I came to church one time and heard the gospel, and I've never been the same. If you'll just, if you'll just come to church once, 
I'll never bother you again. That's the kind of faith he had. Folks, listen, I'm not boasting on my brother. I'm boasting about our God. When we do what we should, when we live the way we should, those are the kind of things that we'll see God do in our life. In the lives of those we love. So in verse 17, 18, and 19, Paul prayed for sensitivity. He prayed for sensitivity. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Wow. Paul prayed regarding their sensitivity to spiritual matters, their discernment. Folks, that can be applied to, to, to wisdom in general, and we, and we certainly need wisdom. Amen? We need wisdom in this world today. The things that we deal with, we need wisdom. Mm. We need it. But the focus, listen, is the love of God. That's the focus. The focus is the love of God. Paul wanted them to fully comprehend and, and, and embrace the love of God for humanity. He wanted them folks to see and understand love from every angle. He wanted them to apply it. He wanted them to understand it. Everything about it. The love of God, folks, is greater than our feeble minds can comprehend. Its breath, it reaches beyond the secular and the social boundaries that we often put up. We put up, I said. And it reaches beyond those. The length of God's love is, is never-ending, folks. Listen, there's not a soul, listen, so far away that God's love cannot reach them. Did God choose to reach them? There's not a height that He can't attain. There's not a depth that He can't go to. There's not a width that He can't meet. I said there's not a soul, folks. Listen, there's not a one who has gone so far that the love of God cannot reach them. When God wants to reach them, He draws them nigh unto Him through Christ our Lord, through Jesus and what Jesus did there on Calvary. So we see, listen, tonight, uh, that, that, that God's love, listen, it can draw them unto salvation through Jesus. You know, the depth of God's love, it, it permeates folks, even, even the hardest of hearts. Even the cruelest of people. It, it, it permeates them. Uh, it gets into their heart. It gets, it gets into their lifeblood. And, and it changes them from the inside out.
the depth of God's love. I said it permeates even the hardest of hearts and, and brings uh, new life, folks. And not just new life, but an abundant life. It reaches to the lowest depths and, and calls out, the listen, to those in need. The, the height of God's love, listen, could never be measured. Never. Somebody said that, that, that man's only scratched the surface of the Word of God. Somebody said, what could God do with a man who's fully surrendered? We don't know. We haven't seen it. You see, His love extends beyond the highest heights, the lowest depths. It goes beyond that, folks. There's nowhere that we could go that we could escape the love of God. So we as God's people, listen, we need a better understanding of the love of God. The love that the Bible talks about. Not the love that we talk about. Not the love that we know or we've experienced, but the love of God, which changed us. Which made us new. God's people need a, a better understanding today, folks. We, we need wisdom concerning the love of God. And, and, and then when we get that, listen, we'll, we'll use that to, to show and to share that, that love with the world around us, listen, can change people. It can change people. I'm convinced that the average Christian haven't even scratched the surface, folks, of the abundance of God's love. He said, well, Brother Jackson, I'm saved. That's the greatest love ever showed to me. But listen, the depths of God's love? <laughs> Folks, we'd be different people. We'd be different people. From tonight forward, we'd be different people. We'd never be the same. People would look at us different. They'd say, what happened? What happened? The last thing I want you to see, listen, is Paul prayed for sufficiency. There in verse 19, he said, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul had experienced the fullness of God. He knew, folks, he knew what it was to be uh, uh, to abound in the Lord. He knew what it was. He understood what it was. He genuinely desired the saints of God at Ephesus, listen, to, to, to experience the fullness of God as well as the love of God. He genuinely desired, folks, for them to experience that. You know, fullness has an idea. When you talk about fullness, anybody ever see the, the, the teacher that showed the kids the, the, the glass full of rocks and they said, well, it's full, and then he added... Uh, uh, something else, and uh, oh well, it took some more, and then it was full, and then he added something else. Oh yeah, and then it was really full. Listen, we we haven't experienced that fullness, not yet. 
Many of us, don't, we don't know what it's like. So, so Paul, the, the thought that he gave, uh, he gave us here, the fullness, has the idea of a, of a ship that's filled with cargo. And it's also got uh, sailors and, and, and food and, and, and all the things they need to survive. And it's full. It's full. It's got the cargo. It's completely manned, and and and, and it's filled with sailors and, and rowers, and you know, every space is taken up. Paul didn't want them to to make the trip, folks, without all they needed. He didn't want them to uh, to struggle and and barely survive and 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 just barely get by. He wanted them to enjoy the fullness of the trip. Listen, he wanted them to experience the fullness of God's grace and God's power. You say, oh, Brother Jackson, isn't that the same? No! No. Resounding no. Because we get saved by, by the grace of God and then we grow and we grow and we grow in grace and knowledge. Brother Frank said, Brother Jackson, I don't know it all. I know some of it. But I don't know it all. He said, there'll be things that I won't know until I get home to glory. And then I can ask somebody. Amen. Then I can ask somebody. I can ask somebody who really knows what's going on. We desperately need, folks, that fullness in our day. There's, there's just too many who are just coasting along, just getting by, you know, just doing their thing. Too many Christians just, you know, just putting in the time. Just putting in the time. They're going through the motions. They're, they're making their way through life. But there's a, there's a lack of, of power, folks. There's a lack of joy. Of joy. They're going through the motions. Listen, we can have the fullness of God in our life. Do you know that? Amen, roll me. Amen. We, we can know that. John 10, 10, listen, he said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. And he says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it, what? He said, more abundantly. Do you have that abundant life tonight? Or are you just getting by? Just getting by. We need to pray tonight, folks, that, that, that congregations like ours and churches like ours and, and others that are represented here tonight, that, listen, that they might know and, and enjoy the fullness of God. We don't, we don't have to just barely survive. We don't, we don't, we don't have to to live in defeat, and, and we, don't, uh, uh, we don't have to come and, and, and just endure the services and the singing and the preaching and then go home. 
We can come and we can enjoy it. And we can be a part of it. And we can grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ by believing and practicing what we preach. What we teach. We don't have to just barely get by. Never experiencing the power and the presence of God. Folks, listen. We can have that fullness. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm not going to start dancing and hooting and hollering. But I can tell you this. I get happy. I get happy when I hear good preaching. I get happy when I, when, I, when I see other Christians enjoying the fellowship and having a good time in the Lord. You know, I first got saved. The first, uh, the first thing that happened to me after I got saved was I was invited to a, to a Christmas party. And all the Christmas parties I'd ever been to prior to that were like, whoa, it gets pretty rowdy. I went to that one, man. They were passing out Coke and Pepsi, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be okay. And then they had, a, they had a little prayer meeting, and then they had a little Bible study. And you know what I did? I went home. I told my mom. I said, I called her. I said, Mom, you know what? I said, you can have fun as a Christian. You can enjoy the Christian life. Wouldn't it be great, Brother Hope, to, to leave here tonight filled to, the, filled to the brim with the fullness of God? Wouldn't it be awesome to, to, to leave here tonight to, 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 to just look forward to the next time we meet, the, the next opportunity God gives us to serve Him? That's what it ought to be, folks. We, we ought to not be able to wait. We ought to have that anticipation in our heart that, that listen, that, it, that's, that it's possible. Things are possible. We can have joy and we can have abundant life and we can have freedom in Christ and we can enjoy it. We can enjoy it. And I conclude tonight by saying just a few things to you. You see, through a prayer, through a prayer, the Apostle Paul recorded in the, in the letter to the Ephesian believers. And folks, we're discovered tonight. We've discovered, and maybe you have already, we discovered that, that many of the desires that he had for them as part of the church there back then are the same desires that your pastor and preachers have for the people of God today. They want to see you prosper. They want to see you grow. They want to see you live a life that's pleasing to God. That's their heart's desire. To see people saved and grow in grace and knowledge. Listen, as a part of the church, we're obligated to pray for one another. We're obligated to pray for the, other, the, the sister churches, the other churches that we fellowship with. And not just a general prayer, listen, but one where you get right down to the nitty-gritty and you begin to pray. And you bring heaven down. And things start to change. Things start to change. It would benefit all of us, folks, if if we decided to make that commitment to pray for one another tonight, to pray for our sister churches tonight, 
especially those that are without pastors. The Bible says when there's no shepherd, the sheep will scatter. They'll scatter. How's your prayer life tonight concerning the church? How's your prayer life tonight concerning your church? I know that prayer is, a, is an area, folks, that everybody here can improve on. Me and Brother Danny can improve on our prayer life. People look at pastors like there's something different, there's something special. I tell my church all the time, I'm just like you. I bleed when I cut, I, I cry when I'm hurt. I need prayer just like you do. So how's your prayer life? Are you concerned about the needs of your church? Are you concerned about the future of our churches? If so, can I say this to you? The best thing you can do is learn to pray for your church. And don't just stop there, but make a commitment to pray for your church every day. Every day. You know the one place Christians, are, are, are they say they go every day or they go every day? It's to the Lord, to the Word of God. And when you go in there, before you ever open up, you ought to pray and ask God to give you understanding. And then listen, when you get in there, you start reading and start praying, you ought to pray for your church. You ought to pray for your pastor. You ought to pray for your Sunday school teacher, your music leader, your, your sound man, your Sunday school teachers. You're here tonight, listening, and you're without Christ. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't experienced the, the love of Christ and the fullness that's available in Christ. Can I tell you this? You don't know the peace that comes through that abiding Christ in your heart, in your heart of hearts. We don't know. So I urge you tonight, listen, to look to Jesus by faith, trusting in what he did there on Calvary 2,000 years ago. He shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his final and full payment for your sins. The Bible says we're to repent and, <laughs> and believe. Believe that, that that finished work paid for your salvation through trusting in Him. Let's stand, shall we? Our song leader comes. As your pastor comes, I want you to listen and take to heart the things I've said, the things that God has given us tonight. And don't just leave them here, folks. Take them with you when you leave. Take them everywhere you go. Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee, Lord, for this time together. Father, we thank You for the amazing grace, Lord, that's been shed abroad in our hearts, Father, that saved us, wretched sinners that we are. Father, we ask God tonight that You might speak to our hearts, Lord. Maybe uh, there may be some here tonight, Lord, who, who need to rededicate themselves or, Father, need to uh, 
to pray about that ministry, that thing which you've been dealing with them about, Lord, to do. And Father, we just pray, God, that uh, uh, you might be with our pastor tonight, Lord, that you might strengthen him in his faith. And Lord, his dear wife, as she uh, abides in Christ with him, Lord, to, to see a great mighty work done here. Lord, we just ask God that you would use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you.